listening to I'm Telling You. You're listening to You're listening to I'm Telling You. Hey fam, welcome back to another episode of I'm Telling You. I'm Telling You. As always, your amazing Antics Fields host, uh, Philly D. Mr. Gemini. Quickly clack effect, check in with JD. Yeah, and uh, if you uh, want to reach uh, out to us, uh, you can hit us up at either uh, ity at directionsandmusic.org or uh, individually do it. Do it. G-E-M-I-N-I at directionsandmusic.org. Yeah, Gemini at directionsandmusic.org or uh, yeah, Philly D, P-H-I-L-L-Y-D. Double L-Y. Double L-Y. But yeah, yeah. Uh, first time listeners, this is a 30 year friendship of, uh, I don't know, you and me trying to not be too schmucky, douchebaggy, <laughs> too much douchebaggery. Don't be a douchebag. Don't yeah, be a douche. The, that's, our, much. that's my new sweatshirt idea. Don't be a douche. Yeah, right. So I was just saying, we got to design a logo and that, Add it logo, to the list. that logo will go on the back of the sweatshirt. And then on the front, it's, it'll just say, don't be a douche. <laughs> like life, you know, just. Like if there's one thing I could pass on, it's like I would improve your life. But instead, it's like don't be a douche. Don't be a douche, and then just I'm telling you, like a little dash, and then I'm telling you underneath that. That's it, and then the logo on the back. I think that's hot. Yeah, yeah. So again, for first time listeners, this is exactly <laughs> what you're uh, in for. Uh, <laughs> we just jump right in. Yeah, we also do uh, dad jokes and movie quotes and uh, music and dad quotes. stuff like that. Yeah, and dad quotes and dad movie jokes. Movie jokes. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, and uh, tonight we have a special guest in the uh, in the studio with us. Uh, if you want to introduce yourself, my friend. Yes, hello. My name is uh, Evan Dublion. Thank you for having me. I don't know why I'm doing this voice here now, but <laughs> it's quite fun. I like it. I mean, I think it works for radio. It's a radio. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, hey, that's uh, welcome to Thunderdome. That's pretty much what it is. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get here, but it's going to be entertaining and educational. What you're it's like a box of chocolates. <laughs> Easy there, Forrest. <laughs> the real go-to for infotainment. <laughs> yeah, no, so this is this is the great thing about <laughs> This is the great thing about having a fact checker is because originally I had to kind of keep him corralled, but I don't really always know what I'm talking about either. So then we would just like wind up getting into this weird info loop of trying to figure stuff out while talking about like, it. Isn't that right? I don't know. Blindly yeah, as a matter of fact, blind. we don't, yeah, pretty much. It was, it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then, you know, Miss JD hops on and all of a sudden it's just like, we can keep talking and she figures stuff out for us. It's nice. Yeah. And she tells us when we're wrong, which apparently is quite often. <laughs> like, no, you're dead it's, wrong. I think it's good to be wrong. I, we agree it's with that. opportunity. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's how you learn. All right. Exactly. Yeah, I'm. A, oh, oh, dude. Yeah, where's um? So we uh, another thing uh, we do here is beers. Yeah. Hey, what's yeah? Uh, what's I got? I got an empty glass or what's yeah, the well, what's the what's the deal, yo? Are you gonna? Did you want to try the? I'm gonna whatever you, bro. I want to try your beer. You made it. I want to try it. I'm gonna give well, you. I'm just saying because the the other thing in there is you you've already had that. That's not a. Well, the, I don't. The, are we allowed to say that word? Are we, the, the, the bracket. bracket. <laughs> Pardon. Pardon me? <laughs> Excuse me, good sir. Well, yeah, no. It's like the, uh, in the, oh, what was it? The the Star Wars version with Family Guy where he's like, she calls him a nerf herder. He's like, you can't use that word. Only we can use that word. And then him and Brian are like, hey, you're my nerf herder. And it's just like, oh my God, this is the you, worst you thing You use ever. words? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys remember when people used to read? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Dude, that's a running <laughs> joke, but also an honest question. Because, like, yeah, people don't really read anymore. And if they do, it's like, you know, social media. So it's taglines and quick. Right. Most don't really read the full articles. It's such a shame. But like, the art of research is, uh, seems to have been lost. Like, just general research, you know? It's all knee-jerk reaction. Well, it's, you know, it's like a lot of people take things at face value too, which is mad. very misleading for the general public. Right. <laughs> well, right. When that's when I think, what is the uh, the idea when you're misleading the facts to prove your theory? So it's like you generalize your stuff or you promote it in that general sense because you're already biased because you think that's the outcome. And it's like, just, just because that's the picture you paint doesn't mean that's the actual picture. Right. A spade actually isn't a spade in this situation now. It's, you know, it's a club or a puppy feed, whatever that shit is. So this in front of you is a beer called a smash beer because there's a single malt and a single hop edition. The single malt is called Maris Otter. It's a, an English style of, of- Mary's daughter? Bar barley. A Maris Otter. <laughs> Mary's Otter? <laughs> and a hop's called Fuggles. <laughs> Fuggle. S spell that, please. Could you use it in a sentence? <laughs> F-U-G-T-L-E? Fuggle? Fugle. Uh, it looks, <laughs> dude, it looks very, uh, very bubbly. Uh, There's yeah, a lot of... It's, yeah, I, I gave it a decent amount of carbonation. Okay, for, yeah. for you uh, listeners, it, it does look like the champagne of beers. It does. Yeah, no, it does. It does have an effervescence uh, like a champagne to it, like a bubble. I mean, this is a... This is, it's the, not going to taste like a Pilsner, though. It shouldn't. This one, for people who can't watch this right now, three dudes smelling glasses. <laughs> this glass smells like beer. Wait. And to answer your question, it's called a confirmation bias. It's, it's a tendency to search for, interpret, favor, or recall information in a way that confirms or supports one um, prior belief or value. Yeah, didn't our dude talk to us about that? He's so smart, isn't he? Like he knew that a, shit. A confirmation bias. Yeah. Like he pulled out of yeah. his, he pulled that out of his own head. Like what the, f he's like, well, that's why you have to tune into what the opposing side has to say. Well, right. But I think, I think the point, like you have to be a watchdog for yourself then because who else is going to do it? You're, you're automatically going to gravitate towards an argument that is in favor of what you already believe. So it's like, you're, you're trying to create a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're trying to match only information that fits your theory Flat Earth, flat Earth. <laughs> well, I mean, as they said, the best books you can read are the ones that agree with you. <laughs> See, and I like reading stuff where it really completely open. Like I, I read a lot of dry academia stuff where I'm reading like economic based things and how like foreign policy was structured and you know like the way things were put together to try to understand the system of what you know I guess capitalism is at this point, which is kind of globalized itself in a sense. So. You know, I, I had a heavy, I had a heavy, um, studying in, in business and psychology and then the laws within that and also abnormal psychology to try to really understand the individual, but also as a collective within the means of laws, rules, and constructs based around monetary decisions. Cause I, right. that's pretty much what I feel this world seems to be. And it's like, if I'm going to do the best good I can, I really need to understand the game of Monopoly as I'm playing it in a sense. You right. Know? So where would you say we fail in economics? 
If you have anywhere to pinpoint. You mean like if there was one thing to rectify that? So we've well, had, yeah, yeah, exactly. We've had this conversation before where it was just in a general sense if there was anything in the world, one thing you could do, what would it be to make that? And I feel that one thing's always going to be uh, with equal opportunity of education where it's literally free available education. So this is like free Wi-Fi, free devices, you know, free full access to any and all knowledge where any person at any point in the world can access, learn and be involved and truly start to learn because it wouldn't just be in a scientific sense. So they wouldn't just be book knowledge per se, but you'd also have access to spiritual knowledge and everything else. I think if you have that individual who really wants to be truly educated, having all of that at disposal, we really could stand a chance of having a much more efficient, truer sense of what positive, loving humanity is supposed to be. I'm all, I'm all for positive change and I love the idea itself, but like my dad attacked me the last time I said, well, the world would be a better place if blank. Well, yeah, because- well, how do you police that? And I go, I see what you're getting at. Then he says, well, you just make a law. It's like, no, 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 that's the last thing we need is to write more laws. We have to create a, a system where we, um, we show appreciation of certain distinctive traits that are positive you know, for the general public, that, that aren't just wasteful and damaging to the planet and the resources and the individuals. And Well, I think that this is my opinion. Um, I think the biggest single change that can be made to economic policy or economics, Adam Smith economics, is <clears throat> something, something D-O-O. Humanity. Humans. Right, yeah. The, the people that make and use all these goods. Right, right. We don't take into consideration the time, the labor, the human. What we do take into consideration is profit, availability, return on investment, ROIs. Yeah, right. How to push it more, like how to market so I can make you want this more even without you knowing that you want it kind of a thing. No, I'm just worried about reducing overhead and maximizing profit. And Right, right. And where does that get us? Also convenience. Yeah. Well, so that's why okay, so going back to the whole education thing, the reason why I feel that would do it is because in order to offer all of those components to truly make free education, again, you're talking truly free Wi-Fi, truly free uh, electronics and electricity and the means for all these things. So we within would, that, though, people could argue that uh, own nothing and be happy because everything's free and available could be an example so what That's I'm saying, well, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be everything. It would be the stuff that was more or less to help like support the actual getting of free knowledge. So if you were like, Hey, I want to be a student. Cool. Then you enroll in a program. You now have the ability to always have a device. You always have, you know, access and internet and whatever else in order to make these constructs happen. And this means we would have to modify a lot of our, you know, different rules or regulations as well as how we would support upcoming, um, infrastructures to make for a better world to do that because we would have to make electricity cheaper. Okay, so we would have to make it this. more accessible. When so, we equate humanity into the engine that is production, what have you, consumerism, all these isms, <laughs> education by default is mandatory if you take into consideration humanity. Right. You want an educated populace. An educated populace helps keep criminals and thugs out of the White House. It, yeah, right. Um, well, yeah. 
To a degree, yeah, I get that. What do we do? How do we? How do well, we get free off Wi-Fi? the streets? Wi-Fi I mean, honestly, needs well, yeah, to be a right, public right, yeah. service. It needs to be like water, electricity, Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, internet. I don't want to have to call well, my cable subscription to be able to access the internet. Exactly, dude. Wi-Fi. Like, why should do, do they have authority over it? Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, like that's why Wi-Fi should just be a thing where it's like, yeah, it's a public commodity that well, everybody has free right to. I would have to agree with that in a day and age where the government provides free smartphones to anybody who's below a certain. So I mean, it's it's You're it's right. a staple necessity at this point. Like I, I agree. That's why I'm like. So in order to support that idea of like the one thing you would do, there's capillary components. So there's all these ancillary you, side pieces that would also have to be in place or done in a fashion that would benefit so, greatly as well. So, so in so a way, that's already there for a lot of people. Well, anyway, in America, but I'm sure everywhere's got you know, some the, form of welfare. You have access that to kind of stuff. You have access to a smartphone, which is basically like having access to the Library of Alexandria. In a sense, yeah, and, right. Which we're, burned down and twice, <laughs> and twice. <laughs> yeah. I, well, <laughs> well, as soon as you can read, you can learn. As soon as you can open your eyes, you can learn. As soon as you can hear things, you can learn. As soon as you can touch, you can learn. Well, I mean, that's what we're built off of. We're creatures of mimic and habit. We have to see it, and then that's how we can understand its perception. And we have to see that over and over until our brain builds that pathway to make that acknowledgement. When we interpret these actions, this is the you know reaction you get. I mean, that's right. all we really are. I mean, how many original ideas are there? Very, very, very yeah, few. <laughs> because you're inspired from something. It's not that you're having an original idea to fly. Like, oh, I just watched 12,000 birds fly. Now I'm having an original idea. Well, Tesla would say none of his ideas were original. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Einstein too. Yeah, Yeah. because they were were lucid dreaming and pulling the knowledge that is available to all of us. It's just the fact that they were accessing it. Open source software begins within the human brain. Right, Right. your aha moment is just going, oh. It's just being a part of everything. Oh, what do we call that now? The Akashic Records, right? Yeah, that's the the system of knowledge the timeless stream of knowledge that's just above like normal human. Or like it's just, it's outside of, yeah, perception of like, you know, dimension or time or space where it's like, you know. Well, that's where I go when I can't quite take a nap. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but that's what, it's a timeless, yeah. Lucid dreaming. I mean, you said, I I remember you telling me was uh, Einstein used to sleep with his keys hanging in his hands so that if he ever actually fell asleep and dropped his keys, it would wake him up. Because he didn't want to be asleep, but he, he didn't want to be awake. He wanted to be in that lucid state of in-between conscious and subconscious to try to obtain that exterior knowledge that's just there. Right. We're just not perceiving it with our current brains. Right. I had a thought that is similar to that, and I was trying to decide what computer to buy. <laughs> so I listened to Alan Watts talks some philosophy, and I was just looking at it as a consumer question, right? And I don't even remember what he said, but- it washed over me in a way that I thought, well, the words aren't important. Even he would say that. Right. So I had the realization that like, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Why does that matter? Oh, I'm a vessel. Stars don't give a damn if they shine or don't shine. They just do. And I was like, okay, so just go ahead and keep on doing what you're doing. <laughs> right. I, oh. Like, don't think about it too much. Just I'm supposed to get whatever it. I get. 
Because I think a lot of the greater, especially like Taoists and stuff, you know, coming from like Buddhist and Hindu and all that kind of things where their practices is very much about, it's not the past, it's not the future. It's about living as much in the moment as you can, as pure and positive as you can. And all of that in time will always just be that good, pure, positive. So, the, you know, all of time and everything, humanity will just evolve naturally because it's just, that's all you know and all you do, then that's all that's available for it. And Eventually it should spread or, you know, when the time's right and when they're like, you know. Well, there's always a balance between light and dark, right? Like no matter what we do, sometimes we're in. Well, I mean, do you, do you feel like humanity is hindered from, from gaining a further understanding? Do you think there's people out there that are maybe trying to keep some of this stuff hidden? Well, see, I would say yeah. just, <laughs> you know, but, I mean, you're always going to have that. I well, think look, it's a greater sense of our physical vessels aren't able to perceive or at least our understanding using these vessels we've never created that pathway to understand those things outside of you know standard two-dimensional three-dimensional four-dimensional that we know and so i think our limiting factor really is either our our bodies itself the way our brains work or the fact that we've yeah we've never actually been taught in this method so we don't know how to do it so our brain didn't you know develop in that fashion right because i would say this one of the Biggest key elements that holds back hum humans from development is our ability to endure. We can endure damn near anything. I mean, Dude, right? You carry some bags people enjoy that man from an abyss all day long and get you know a, not even a sandwich, just dry bread at the end of the day, <laughs> and you'll do it again tomorrow. <laughs> so tomorrow, and then what? I mean, are there keepers of knowledge? <laughs> Yes, there are keepers of knowledge. What knowledge is that? Well, it depends. But if you look at the catacombs of the Vatican, okay, no one's allowed down there. And if you do want to go down there, you have to know what exists before you, you can see it. Like to check a book out, you have right, to right. know the book exists down there on your application. Oh, wow. Okay, so how, how are you supposed to know that? Yeah, can right. You get to the first step, figuring right. out that it yeah. even exists. I got this ancient parchment that told me this book exists. And I, I happen to know that it's in row 25, section that. B. <laughs> yeah, right. Dude, that'd be so million. In the, the underground city of the dead. It's I would not like far to see from the, the Sepulveda. I would like What's to see the research on that. Septair. Dude. Well, I also wonder if some of this goes to, they say you only access like 10% of your brain and things that we've I, been watching and discussing prior about like. I think that's a bit of a misnomer though. I would agree to that at this point. Well, I'm saying you have to have the ability yeah, yeah. to like open certain areas of your mind, but it also goes with like certain generational oppression. So like, if you're told that you can't do something, you're not going to like, if you're told that from childhood up, you're going to be stunt yourself to not reach for that or whatever. And then there's going to be the few that are able to access certain parts of their brain. And they're like, well, why can't I do that? And they're going to push further and strive for that. But it's like, I think it's like a 50-50 where you can't access certain parts of your brain or memories or whatever. And then other people who do. I think part of it is learning to operate outside of your comfort zone. Because if you, if you watch brain patterns, when, when there's um, nuance, your brain is, is like you're all over the place trying to find a connection historically to, right. to know how to move forward. And, and what happens is, you know, 
you could, I mean, surprise on a human face is, or on any animal face is it's the same. <clears throat> and it's the same for a reason because you're, you're opening your eyes wide to try and take in as much information as possible. I mean, that's something you can't fake. The compartmentalization mm. of information. And the that's, ramifications that's all the of all the exaggerations. <laughs> the emancipation of all the, yeah. No. Well, yeah, but no, that's, no, um, I agree. The, uh, when you, when, you know, going back to, we were talking about Bob Lazar earlier, um, he was talking about the way the entire, like, you know, area 51 sections, blah, 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 all them, they're very carpet, uh, compartmentalized, not only in their literal area, but also in their knowledge that they're allowed to have from the others, the it's, other people in the sciences. Even, and it's, it's not even actually called area 51 either. It's like <laughs> Air Force Base. What's it called or something? Yeah. It's, it's another, um, yeah, it's mul- It's actually a number. multitude of you know tons and tons of places all put together. But the are- opposite of compartmentalization is, in fact, permaculture. You're right. Putting it's everything the together for of information. Yeah, flow. dude, I get that. That's a nice tie-in. That's a good job, buddy. Well, it's the I reality. Like it. Yeah, I get, yeah, yeah. Well, because you you understand that you need to have all of these things to coincide, and all of it needs to be aware. I mean, it doesn't have to truly be aware, but it should be allowed to know it exists in case it needs to. But well, and that the the environment that you're surrounded in is going to dictate how you move forward. That it's it's yeah, your best. It's not just like I'm going to do this because this is what I want. It's like no, I'm going to do this today because today this is what the soil is calling for. Today right. in this environment that we're in, we need a plant that doesn't need a lot of light that can soak up water. You know, whatever it is for that particular area, that time of year. Right. You know, like you're saying, you work with your surroundings as opposed to if you're battling surroundings which are mother nature, you'll be battling them till the day you die. Why waste your energy? Right. Yeah. Well, do you and I, yeah, I think uh, that goes back to the whole uh, fungal network thing because if it truly, you know, as we've talked about, is intertwined in the sense everything is literally talking to one another and it's aware of, oh, hey, in a day or two, it's going to be way more moist here because there's a storm coming through. So I need to let my soil you know, dry out a little bit more or something. Right. And they would be able to communicate enough to know that was coming. Or, you know, hey, we need to pull up extra nutrients. So, hey, eat extra today. We'll store a little extra fat. Right. And then when the sun's not shining, we'll have, you know, enough energy to store over for... So, yeah. Well, I mean, my I idea of the perfect farm, if you will, is... You get up in the morning, you go turn on all your machines, right? Which means like, let the chickens out the coop. Yeah, right. Move the cows over to a different pasture. Um, Feed your fish. Yeah. And then go have the afternoon to chill out. Yeah, right. Because everything's doing the work for you. Yeah. You're just a supervisor, Pretty much, yeah, in a properly functioning system. Because, I mean, I've been doing a lot of research into, you know, because aquaponics got me. I've it's always a beautiful been, setup, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I've always been into the idea of proper farming where it's like nature does it this way. Why is it we do it the way we do it? Like it doesn't, you know, we're still using this archaic method of plow and sowing. Right. Where just like tearing up the soil you know, putting all this extra carbon in the air and then we're throwing all these pesticides, herbicides, fertilizers, like all these gnarly things to grow genetically modified stuff that 
shouldn't have had to be modified, but because of all the pesticides and herbs, it's just right. like, it's a vicious circle. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, that nature has never had to do that. I mean, you look at any indigenous population that knew how to do hunter gatherer, as well as then starting to get into actual cultivation where they would grow from the gland. They knew how to cycle. Like they did it naturally. Like it was just, you know, I don't know how they knew that, but that's what they did. And it's like, so we're aware that this can work. Why, why don't, and it's bountiful and plenty. Why not just do that? Right. I mean, there are so many more foods on this planet than North Americans are even capable of understanding. Oh, you want more There's of this? Berries. I don't know, moss, moss. All these types of plants that we just don't know exist. Oh, tell because, me about it. Because we're um, such a mono crop culture. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the I thing. Mean, in the like, 80s, how many types of apples did we have? Like green and red. Yeah, right. It was you like, know, it was, yeah, like now Granny Smith and like right. Red Crisp. And I was like, that was it. And it was like, yeah, red and green. And now all of a sudden, yeah, you're getting to like Pink Ladies, Fiji's. All, we got broccoli flower. It's not broccoli. It's not cauliflower. It's broccoli flower. It's the eighth iteration. Iteration. Jeez. Yeah. Well, do me. So that's the thing. It's like, uh, like a weeping plant, like the weeping willow, the tree. Dude, that was genetically modified. By, by humans, like we made it do that by Sad like- soul. Yeah, well, by like genetic, uh, you know, selection and stuff, we bred it into it where it just, it naturally wants to, and you can even see now, like there's some that will start to regress back to its original and grow completely vertical. And you like, you just have to cut that part of the, the tree off and hope it doesn't grow back. Yeah, broccoli didn't exist in nature. I don't brassica. think that. It's man-made. It's brassica derivative. So kale, broccoli- uh, cabbage, asparagus, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. It's like in the same fan, but it was some kind of crossbreed, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. So I was just out in the state park last week. Foraging is illegal, which I find fascinating. Um, you might find mushrooms. I've never found a wild mushroom that was edible in my life, but I have found <laughs> many edible vegetable plants, if you will. So we found some Queen Anne's lace, which is like wild carrot kind of. Okay. Um, and then a couple other things. I forget the names of them offhand, but it's real early in the spring and we were in some real nice um, sediment just next to the creek land. And they were just nice and young and delicious. <laughs> like you could you could make a soup out of what's around you. I would make a salad if it's that a fresh. Salad? Yeah. That's pretty nice. But that's what I'm saying is like you nature can do this already naturally. Like I this is why I started getting into the whole idea of some sort of sustainable growing where you had an ecosystem because I knew that there had to be an ebb and flow. There had to be a give and a receive. There had to be a balance. I mean, life has shown me that everything's built on a balance of these things. So it's like it just, it felt natural to me, but then I got further into it because it's like, all right, well, you can't just have a bunch of like fish tanks hanging out and a bunch of grow beds. Like right. you can't just do an entire farm like that. You're wasting the, the physical land. Well, so here, check, check this out. In my green proposal, you catch the rain, you catch the wind, you catch the sun, you catch the carbon. Using vertical hydroponic farming, I'm able to use the local rain, nettle perhaps as a fertilizer, or I could use fish. The sun and the wind 
power the system and generate far more power than an aquaponic system needs. So oh, then, yeah, by far. So then you're able to produce power for the local community. You have a hydraulic system. Oh, dude, by, you can run... Wind-powered hydraulics. Well, you can run... Well, there's multiple a, earth batteries, right? Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah. Store, I mean, the, any, wa- store you, the water high while, when the power is produced, and when there's no power being produced by wind or sun, the water drains down into and is hydropower. Yeah, it's like small hydroelectric. Because again, right. like for systems like this, or back. even living near a body of a moving body of water, like a you know a riverbed or something. Honestly, like that. that's, the, that's one the of the most spiral, ideal. The spiral. You can use um, water turbines out there. You just need a different gradient. Oh, as it as it goes through a funnel, right? Turns a turbine, yeah. and yeah. those are uh, I think fifteen, thirty, and 45. the Coriolis effect. Uh, yeah. Kilowatt per hour. Well, so I think yeah, in with the idea of the permaculture, especially with like, you know, coming away from desertification where you're trying to revitalize the land and all that stuff. In doing that, you, again, you, you wind up getting a flow of water that will generate some sort of a spring, typically a creek. Well, if you're generating through your land design to do that, you can then also harness that flow of water as it comes out and make small amount of electricity from it too. I mean, right. you really can make these simple self-sustaining because- we don't need as much as we do if we're smarter about it and we could use a lot more things you know, more intelligently. And yeah, we wouldn't have to consume as much and we could still have all the amenities that we're used to. Like we could still have a healthy, if not healthier life to live with more cool stuff to do because we'd have freaking time to do it. Well, when you revitalize a community, you take like a dilapidated community and you revitalize it in a way that benefits the citizens and the ecosystem, you're going to get the most vibrant life out of that community. I mean, that's just what's going to happen. And then that's going to spring forward somewhere else. And then that's somewhere else. It's not until you put limits on these communities, say redlining might be a limit. That's when things fall apart. But when people are left to their own devices, doing things that they are interested in that benefit everybody, it just continues to benefit everybody. It's really, it's not until you put limits on these People don't tend to want to cheat a system that they enjoy. Why would they? Yeah. Right. What's the gain for me to cheat a system that, that I enjoy, you know? And, and of course, it's, it's self-correcting too because people want to be in a system that they can trust each other. So the minute somebody gets weeded out immediately- as, Well, and as that's being, what used to happen in the past is if, if there was like a, a thief in the group, they would get tossed. Some of them got thrown over cliffs, you know? <laughs> What were we saying that about a about um, community versus yeah community that? versus a commune, commune. yeah because you're talking about a coexistence of like twenty or thirty people in comparison to like five hundred six hundred a thousand or right the harsh reality though is if if you do something that's morally objectionable by most people within that town space or whatever you call it that well, collection figure- of people that. That there will be a hanging, there will be a stoning, there will be something when it gets beyond a point that people are willing to accept. Oh, as a group, him. Right? <laughs> well, a I mean, Thomas Jefferson, or says, just get out. You know, <clears throat> yeah, liberty, say, the liberty, yeah. the tree of liberty needs to be, be refreshed with the blood of um, patriots, uh, and, patriots and, tyrants. and tyrants. Yeah. So, while that is unfortunately true, I don't hmm. think that he necessarily means. And he said, like every. If it goes 30 years, that's too long. I think what he means is that- He didn't think it would last, none of them thought it would last over 100 years. Well, I also don't think that he means that we need to go to war 
to create change. What I think he means is we need to we need to be willing to sacrifice, be willing to sacrifice our time. Yeah, we shouldn't have to sacrifice our sacrifice our lives for change. That shouldn't be a necessity. It it is. Yeah, but it should not be one. I can agree to that. I mean. We shouldn't need martyrs to change our opinion. Right. I know. Yeah. It always, yeah. well, to me, it always seemed like with a quote like that, it's, it's kind of hard to see it any other way that, I mean, it, it requires, I would say sacrifice is a better, I mean, everybody's not going to have the extreme of this is a life and death decision. Sure. And no the average evil, person, won't. no person that we consider evil considered themselves evil. Like Hitler thought he was doing Germany a favor. You know? <laughs> well, and he thought he was helping out. Yeah, no, I, mean, I know he, this is a really, really sensitive subject. Even I now, know, but, but I know, but that's. Uh, but there's no other the way to look is, at it than Hitler's a piece of shit. Germany, well, but Germany correct, was right. in a Germany was financially in a hole. Right. And oh, massively. There were improvements during his reign. That's what I'm saying. So economically, uh, so there was like they had less uh, thievery. But I mean, of course, you're also talking about a corrupt uh, reporting system, most likely. But so you I know, would say but, Volkswagen was a positive thing to come out of that. I'm it is nowadays. Saying. Are you kidding me, dude? I've had I've had a couple V dubs. It's all good. They're cool. I mean, a lot of our science is, is, has come out of World War II technologies. Yeah, right. So, I mean, how much do you think was reverse engineered alien technology? <laughs> well, I mean, like I said before <laughs> on the other show, there's there's different <laughs> methods of getting a similar result. So, Wilhelm uh, Reich believes in like this organ energy. Victor Schauberger believed that you could use circular or spiral effect to great to do anti-gravitational other people the germans they thought that you could use liquid um oh, it's a metal liquid mercury mm, use mercury okay. in a gyroscope and that would create a magnetic mm. field that would basically break the gravity and pull you along well see that was another thing about wasn't like, there some the guy in like the 1800s that did this on like a very small scale and was able a, to create like an anti-gravity device that he stood on and took had someone take a picture of him I swear there was something like this maybe that's the Mandela effect no, <laughs> no I swear that, well there's somebody, more going on than we're told no matter how we slice oh I, yeah I definitely agree I mean you watch the news you're gonna get I love when they post, post these videos of like this 25 newscasters saying the exact same thing yeah, I know, like right? Verbatim, you know? <laughs> I know it's just, it's got a different tagline on the bottom and like a different uh, number. All I have left is, okay. the, is the bracket. But yeah, help yourself. Just be careful because there may still be yeast Some on the sediment. Bottom. Yeah. Oh, that's gross. What? Yeah, just <laughs> natural, man. <laughs> I don't want pulp in my orange juice. Oh, I also. Oh, I love pulp, man. I could care less. I like, I don't, I don't mind having a little bit to chew on. It's like Prego, it's in there. That's true. I actually strained my fresh squeezed orange juice because I'm a sucker. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm a. Did you? Yes, please pour me some. Would you? Yes, have some. Yes, have, have, some. Yes, have some. So I think that um, <sighs> once we have the availability of abundance of energy and food, we already waste 40% of our food. That's ridiculous. But then we can start to give the power back to the community. I mean, there should be a shared investment, right? Like, that's where you get into like the, the co-ops and grow-ops <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, like community <laughs> gardens and... But the buy-in should be little and the payback should be great. Well, the buy-in could just be your time. That's totally you accurate. You're, you're required. It's like tithing. You're required to give 10% of your effort. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, so if it's financial or if it's just physical physical presence, right? Yeah, right. You're like, hey, I don't have the time to do this because you say, well, how can you possibly provide, you know, internet for free? Well, it's because people are willing to sacrifice a certain amount of their own time to see that that happens. Or taxpayers. I mean, but I mean, how do you, my still going back to the same point though, how do you do that without involving the government? You know, well, like we it, are the it, government. It, I mean, we're it, involved. We are the government. You can't right? not involve me. I'm we're, involved. See, I think that's I'm the, the government. That's tech, like to I'm me, that's voter. the biggest point that I think a lot of people miss on that kind of stuff is like, yeah, it's like, you know what? We we do have a say in this. And it's, I think the biggest issue of anything of all of what we're doing really is none of us aren't disagreeing on the fact that we all want to have a better chance at life. It's how we get there and what's best for me or Absolutely. you. Because like everything's going to be different. Well, and you know, who wants to assume the responsibility? Because literally any person can run for office. Yeah, right. Right. Like we're not, we behave as though AOC is the only person that can be in that position or whoever, whoever. And literally you can just go and get enough signatures and put yourself on the ballot. Yeah. No one does it. That's, well, but that's, if, if I move back here, I would probably run for office. <laughs> well, and I think that's, all right. So I, I mean, I, uh, I don't know. Hold me to it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I again, like, all right. So going back to, cause I think the, the one thing you said is the biggest issue with uh, you know, economics, I think continues into that too, is just it's humanity in a sense. And it's not even like humanity as us as a collective, because I think an individual given the right opportunity is always going to do what's logical or rational it's when we start to involve all of us, which basically becomes, you know, humanity as a sense. That's when we get into that gray area again, because you know, what's good for you is not always good for me. Well, they made a movie about that. Trading places. <laughs> so more to more, if, if you put them a dollar hell, they're going to know hell. Well, it isn't, I mean, isn't that what like all of the greats back in the day would like talk about? And I mean, I'm talking like Renaissance period and further, like all of the great writers, the the single greatest artistic expression meant that there had to be suffering. But there will always be suffering because everybody holds on to everything. Only in Western, Eastern culture does suffering lessen. Well, yeah, well, well, that they even realize that that's a focus. I mean, that that, that by wanting things you suffer. Right. Well, yeah, because attachment, then, yeah. Well, yeah, but then you get into like Buddhism where it's like, let go of everything. So well, that's I mean, what it is. Attachment is suffering. So let yeah. go of everything, yeah, including yourself, most especially including yourself. Well, see, and I think that's where you start getting now, into- do that and have a family. Well, <laughs> yeah, how do you, but they do, they do. I mean, because- But I think that goes towards like the Nikola Tesla and the lucid dreaming and all that kind of stuff because in order to- because I mean, honestly, for the to make the the leaps and bounds that we did scientifically, we had to let go of the constraints that were our construct. Like we had to let go of oh, Albert Einstein was very counterculture. Like the stuff he was pushing, everybody was that was against the grain. Yeah, didn't didn't we also somebody was saying something like he might have like even possibly been like Aspergers or something to that degree? Like I would totally agree with that. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, Aspergers. It almost to me just makes it so you see through the bullshit, right? Oh, I've, I mean, what's that mean on the spectrum? Like, we don't even know what, you know, if if for all we know, that that could actually be a a more perfect human being. Right. It could be genetically superior. Well, right. Well, given the right circumstance, who's to say what the perfect human being is? How could you ever breed one? Right. 
um, the perfect human being that's one day why I, could be somebody with severe Asperger's. I, or I believe the perfect human brain. being is a vampirical zombie creature. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you define perfect? Well, I can exactly. never die. Right. Well, but right. this also goes into the Darwinian yeah, aspects of like, what right. are your constraints? Because what's best now doesn't mean that's going to be what's best 100 or 200 or 400 years or 1,000 years or 10,000 years from now. So, I mean, evolutionary wise, we have to modify just to be able to live within our constraints. Yeah. But I mean, is there something about the human spirit though, too? Like given the opportunity, like if somebody gives you the, oh, this is a big good question. Like somebody gives you the opportunity, would you want to live forever? So like, you know, I can make you a vampire tonight. Would you want to live forever? Knowing that everyone you know right now is going to eventually die and you'll still be here. You know, would it, would it be worth, is that a trade-off for you you're willing to make? And that you'd lose a part of your humanity because you wouldn't be connected to the, the, to the clock right? like everyone else is. You know, would you give that up? And would you give that up? Knowing, Any sane person would, should say no. Knowing it's punishing other human beings. Any sane person should, should say no. But what's the truth? So but given the opportunity, I'd do it. That's what I'm saying. You, you do it, even knowing yeah. that it, it brings harm on other human beings. Why does it bring harm on other human beings? Oh, because I actually have to like kill them to well, do you this? You have to feed. So you're part of a lifestyle that requires the suffering of other human beings, whether you, know, you hunt out only the a-holes or not. It doesn't really, you know, the wife abusers. Like, of course, that's you know, probably where I'd be focused. You know? Dude, like, I would, no, I would be one like of those- The kitty touchers and the wife abusers, you know, I'd be going right after them first. <laughs> No, I mean, honestly, you make a great point. You know what? Like Dexter I, yeah. of the vampire world, you know? I could, yeah, I could be a rogue vigil a vigilante for a while. And then once all of the evil was gone, then I need, need to find an alternate source. We could develop some sort of like plasma alternative. <laughs> It'd be like, you know, like blood light or some shit. <laughs> First they came for the products. <laughs> blood light. I'm just saying, you know, it's like all the plasma, but without the calories. <laughs> oh, oh, my. Blood light. Well, cause yeah, I mean, that's like, I don't, as a human having consumed dead animal, like having, you know, I didn't actually kill that animal, but I may as well have, because in order for it to be here and for me to eat it, it had to die. So I had my hand in that in a sense. I've being aware of that was, you know, once I did eat meat for a while, like I, you, you have to be okay with that. Like at least I do, so you have to come to terms with it. You have it. to be so, okay I mean, with another animal died so that you could live. Well, yeah, because I mean, like, I always put it back to the same thing with like Avatar and stuff. Because when you look at indigenous people, and you know what they did is they showed acceptance and appreciation, and they were so thankful and grateful, and you know it was a reverence because it's like, hey, because of your life that you've given, I now sustain mine, and I'm so grateful for that. So thank you. Right. There's an appreciation with the average American when you go to McDonald's or well, Burger King. But I mean, I would say a lot of people, not even I mean, you just don't even that. know where that's coming from, and actually half of it is even beef. But some people say, believe that chocolate milk comes from brown cows. This is true. <laughs> yeah, this is I true. Mean, my only point is it's you know, not a joke. And like, yes, I am vegetarian <laughs> slash vegan, but um, you know, I don't necessarily have a problem with eating the flesh of another animal. But I think, you know, if you're gonna eat meat on a regular basis, I think you should be willing to kill an animal to have it. I agree with that hundred percent. And my philosophy, I think you'd eat a lot less. I wish I didn't feel that I need to eat meat 
I've been a vegan. I've been a vegetarian. I lost weight like crazy. As soon as I reintroduced dairy or meat into my diet, I stabilized. I don't believe that any single diet is beneficial for the globe, globe the populace, uh-huh. the globe. I think that the Japanese approach meat eating in a very healthy manner. They eat meat. They also create the best beef in the world. <clears throat> you right, Kobe. We, do, we talk about it all the time. Are smaller compared to and America. More the portions are much, much smaller, and they're more expensive because they actually treat the animals with a little bit of dignity. Right, and the flavor comes through. <laughs> but the animals, they live a happy life. I would imagine that there are fewer vegans in Japan based on pita style policy. You know, the reason- Right, for- but I mean, they eat, they eat what I would say considerably more healthy because you're, you're eating an abundance of everything and a right. very small portion of that is animal protein. It's still there, but a very small portion of it. I mean- not to take fried rice as an example, but you know, to make the assumption as an American that that regular Chinese food is what they eat in China isn't exactly a tip for tap. But I mean, point, dude, depends, point being it depends is, on what restaurant you go to. Is a lot of a lot of grain like rice, a lot of vegetables, a lot of you know, th- there's a very balanced, and you're not having a huge slab of beef and a potato and no. a little dinky salad. Like it's all kind of worked in there, and it's it's very balanced. I haven't had McDonald's in, I guess, about eight years now. I, I was in the airport and I decided, you know what? I'm going to go get me a cheeseburger. Screw it. I'm starving. And uh, the plain cheeseburger, the it was gluten-free. And I thought, how the hell do they make a gluten-free what, the hamburger bun? The I mean, bun is rice, gluten-free? I guess, but it just threw me off. I mean, I feel like the burger patties are practically meat-free at this point. Oh yeah, I want to say like a There's McDonald's a patty is probably like mostly soy product or something, there and like yeah, texturized vegetable protein or yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, that's why we have a man boot problem in the U.S. Well, but that's why you get such a consistent <laughs> flavor because they can control all the ingredients, so it always comes out the same. They do that for their pickles, their cheese, their buns. Pickles. That's why every every technically every McDonald's you ever go to, they're all supposed to say like taste identical. Mm-hmm. Can I have the pickles? And the pickles. pickles. The pickles. <laughs> I do love Taco Bell, unfortunately. You know what? I'm so I'm from Cali, right? I'm a Del Taco kid. See, I'm from Cali too, and I love me Del Taco and Carl's Jr. Give me real El Pollo Loco Mexican food first. Well, yeah, but if you're like fast food and it like right second, yeah, Del Taco food. for the quesadillas, El Pollo Loco for the chicken. In Germany, my Taco Bell menu, I can make anything that you want from Taco Bell. <laughs> I I want an example. What is? It? <laughs> I mean, first you know the beef, the ground beef. I can make the Taco Bell ground beef. I can make the oh right, right, right. Like you got mild, okay, mild. Okay, yeah. I have actually. I have a cookbook where it has uh, like uh, hundred or three hundred something you know secret recipes and stuff. Yeah, they're uh, most of them are pretty spot on. It's uh, it's pretty dope. I would. Uh, they like I would reverse like engineer <laughs> how to make stuff. I'd like to open a restaurant in Germany. Like a like a food shack though, little to go joint, almost like a taco truck that doesn't move. Yes, a food truck that doesn't move would be okay. And over there, it's called an imbiss. I m b i s s. Does that stand for something, or is that like imbecile? No, it doesn't stand for anything. <laughs> uh, it, it it means like a food shack. 
Okay. Yeah. It's like, just that's the German word. That like, um, I don't know if it's German, but that's the word they oh, use. Okay. Okay. You know, sell Philly cheesesteaks in Germany. You know what I'm saying? So, yo, I'm I'm talking about opening up a Philly John, right? A Philly pretzels. Philly, Philly John steaks. Yeah, John. Yeah. yeah, Philly John. Dude, that would be like in Berlin. Cinnab- Is that J A U N? Freaking. A J W N? Yes, sir. Okay, J W. Good golly. Yeah, J W. Wait. No, I said U N, but I don't. What? No, there are different. What? What? I will. I will. <laughs> That's Philly Juan. <laughs> Why are you saying what, what way? Yeah, no, dude, John, man. J-W, what? Can, what? So Not that's Juan. what I mean. Like, I do clothes. And, you know, people, they do need to wear clothes. But you don't need to buy. <laughs> so I've heard. You don't, you I've don't been need told. to buy a sweatshirt every day. Right? Well, yeah. I mean. You know, but you do need to eat every day. Right. And you also do need to put that sweatshirt on every day if it's cold out. But well, I mean, you know, yeah. Walk your dope doggo, <laughs> or cover up your your boobies. You don't have to have a sweatshirt for every day. They yeah, do. It's can be the I same do. one. It could be the same one. That's right. what I'm saying. I mean, I got have dude, to have. Yeah, I got a couple of these John's. sweatshirts for every day. I mean, what if what if I had sweatshirt money though? Why can't I ball like that? You're wearing a sweatshirt now, and I'm sure you have money in your pocket. So actually, maybe we need to design a sweatshirt. Actually, that- my money's in my other pants. That looks one way on the outside and another way on the inside so that you could wear it multiple so, times. Reverse it. This no, is, I, um, I go frontsies, backsies. Yeah. Inside, outsies, frontsies, backsies. This is my paparazzi <laughs> collar. All I see is like white chicks having one on and being like, daytime. You know, that way. Nighttime. That way, Nighttime. If, you're, Nighttime. if you're running from paparazzi or something, you can just like slip down an alley and like flip your sweatshirt inside out and then just walk out. You Dude, know. that would be some snake. You're looking for somebody with a black sweatshirt, and you come out wearing like blue. Yeah, right. It's like navy blue. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> there I go again. It's like navy blue, but you only dye the bottom, so it's like navy blue and. Oh, he's got anti-paparazzi clothes on, right? Dude, this is how popular this guy you is. Can't he's get like, get in my like, face. Yeah, I just heard about those. And getting, and then we got like real pop stars out here, like showing their body parts and stuff. This is horrible. Getting out of their car. No, anybody takes a picture of you. It's like Bigfoot. It's like, no, it isn't. That's not him. Right. Or no. it just looks like your head is not attached. Detachable head. Sorry. It's like a floating head. Like, no, you you superimpose that. What was yeah. the movie where Robin Williams was a floating head? Was that The Adventures of Baron von Munchausen? <laughs> I think oh so. God. So that that studio that filmed that movie? Yeah, at least the original. Right. That's the studio I was working in in Germany. Doing the what? Adventures of Baron von Munchausen. Wait, like working studios. on that movie or like? <laughs> oh no, no. God, no! I wish. I was working. <laughs> Is that for how a, they still advertise it? Like Esports Global Network. The <sighs> most miserable camera operation job I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I'd rather document grass growing. No, you said That's something you way said last right time. That, yeah. Right? You said something way worse. Which you honestly, yeah, like, that's kind of uh, funny. Yeah. Something hardcore of the. Oh, yeah, no, of the very, very hardcore sexual nature. Right. I did a um, an art porn edit for Art Porn Week Berlin in 2000. Yeah, but see, over in like Europe and stuff, there's a totally different look. I mean, there's some countries that even allow like open sex to happen, like right in the middle of any, like there's certain areas where it's just like, okay. Well, that's Berlin. <laughs> there you go. The the park near me has like a blowjob corner. 
And that's that's the only wild wait, park there wait, really is. What was is the safe word? What was the safe word? My my Oklahoma. No, no. What was this? No. Oh, no. Like the the, the Lugan, Hagen, Flagen, Flagen, Hagen, <laughs> What did you say? Kluge flag and Hagen flag. Yes, yes, I did. Do you know? Yeah. Oh my God. Sorry, Euro trip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, but, and that's. I mean, there's other countries where they also. I think Portugal has like open drug use parks and stuff like that. So I mean, like, uh, you guys are hearing nonsense. What? <laughs> so I was in Portugal after grass is and everything was legalized, and there's still dealers on the street. Of course. Um. I still felt a little weird smoking a doobie out on the street. I feel less weird here, and I am <laughs> i am a card-carrying member <laughs> well, but I, I, of the Turtle Club. Con, yeah, turtle, turtle. <laughs> but the, the context of where you're at and what you're doing, I mean, because, I mean, yeah, you go to, like, uh, Colorado, it's a whole other country over there. They were trying to put out sniff guns. Oh, you know police. what? But in Colorado, don't get caught with a cigarette. And don't right. catch the rain. Like and people, are, people are more likely to give you a dirty look for smoking a cigarette than just walking outside their house and smoking a joint. Or even, yeah, or the they just be like, oh, thanks for going outside. But if they see you with right. a cigarette and it's like, how dare you smoke that? Let me tell you how many people walking their dogs were like, just giving me the evil eye when I went to visit. Well, yeah, but like over in Europe, like you're just like, like smoking Denver. cigarettes as you walk into places. Like who gives a shit? I won't go to a bar where I can't smoke a joint inside. There you go. Like, is that anywhere in the world or is this just like... Uh, no, because you can't even smoke a cigarette in a bar here. So I mean, that's not true. There are there were still few. some. Yeah, because it, it depended on like their food law. The food yeah, law. Yeah, the food the law. Eating, right. It was like if you had a hot dog. Well, and okay. also what? Well, you no, know, it was the percentage. <laughs> it was the percentage of sales on foods yeah, yeah, to alcohol. Right. But it was also depending on what license you had and a few other things. So if you have yeah. a shitty menu, then you. I, can I go love ahead the cabaret see. license. If you don't have a cabaret license, no one's allowed to dance. No Man, one dancing dance. is illegal. Dancing. So I was doing for the undead without a license. Did that apparently? I was doing for the Undead Dog Foundation. I did a bar night called Dogs Dance Two, and we had a DJ play Electric Boogaloo. Not strictly. <laughs> Barkadoo. Not, not uh, yeah, Barkadoo. But because the place didn't have a cabaret license in town, in city, we weren't allowed to dance, and we couldn't, and it got shut down. Dude, this is some footloose stuff. And it's dude, like, dude, we're going to play some banging music. All we ask is that you do not dance because we'll get shut down. What kind of law is you, that? You, that is footloosey. No. That's where you just pack them all in so there's no room to dance. Right. Like people just jump up and down. Does That's that what count? dancing is like in Berlin, though. Uh, <laughs> so when you have like was, silent discos. I was with an American friend of mine. Pogo. And uh, he's doing great work, but not about him. <laughs> we had been dancing for about 16 hours, right? We had some coffee <laughs> and uh, coca, coffee, Colombian coffee, <laughs> the purest Colombian he's, coffee he's, you he's could like ever. This. Now, mind you, listener, I am mildly gyrating. Yeah, a slow. And he's like, Look at me, I'm still dancing. He had been previously dancing like this, arm pumping, house music, <laughs> to just barely holding Look your at fist me, up. I'm still dancing. I took a nap. You have to, you have to really focus about, to see if he's actually moving. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like if you fall asleep in an American bar, they're going to kick you right out. Oh yeah. You fall asleep in a German bar. They're like, does he need chips? <laughs> <laughs> you know, word. Yeah. The same people uh, come by and they'll like scribble messages and like stick them in your hand. It might happen. Yeah. <laughs> seriously. Like 
You can do. I like it's your hat. Just a freer place. <laughs> Berlin's especially. I mean, it's. I would call it the capital of Europe, and it's Berlin. Well, you it's availability. I'm not saying it's the best place. I'm saying it's the best city. Yeah, you were saying earlier where it seems to be like almost like the general sense of a hub because you're getting every sense of every other aspect. So you're getting all these other countries or they're just somehow or another not so much staying there, but just flowing through it at least. So it seems well, it's to also, be- Well, it is a very transient city. So yeah, they really do pass through. Like if you're talking to somebody that's lived there for more than five years, they're they're like a long haul, you know? Yeah, they're, they're like, this is a great city. I love this. Yeah, but I mean, most of the people I know- have come and gone. Wow. Which is funny. I mean, well, that goes back to the vampire conversation. I mean, if that's what you're used to. If you know, you're always changing every five years of what you got, then like, you know, then what's what? Just, I mean, it's just yeah. the way it is. You just got to get past the whole, like having to kill to survive thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'm trying to write a screenplay that involves that type of story. Time Dude. travel, time travel, vampirical zombies, you know, Dude, this sounds was, was run it? of the mill. Run of the mill. You know, you're just you know, your average rom com with zombies it's and all, time it's travel. It's all stuff we know <laughs> that sells, but we just we got to find the nuance to it. You I know, know, just put all of it together. I just need right. to write it, finish it. Yeah, it's uh. Yeah, did you? I'm, well, I mean, I mean, it's you know we're, yeah, we're so like up. well, I mean, kind of. So I mean, I can drink more. I mean, I'll drink now. I don't. I'll just. See, you're the bad. I'm the influence. only one that has to leave soon, so it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I have nowhere to go. So obligatory obligations. I'm just. Uh, he has to be a responsible parent. Yeah, I, I gotta be home around the time when my kids get off the bus. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, which I mean, so honestly, I don't yeah, have you to. don't have latchkey kids. Well, that's the thing. I don't have to, but how old are they, if I may ask? Uh, you, ten and seven. Ten and seven. Old enough that they can cause trouble if he's not there. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> I've been trying little by little to like kind of get them initiated in the idea of being able to come home and let themselves in and make them run their gauntlet. And the funny thing, <laughs> and then they're men. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh no, but we got we got the yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's that time. I know. Well, I'd like to say thank you for having me. I want to say thank you for the awesome conversation. Yeah, um, yeah it's like, do we have a new brother? Is what happened right. here today? This is tree I trust. my beard so that we at least looked different, the three of us. You know, yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, no beard over there. Right. So no, it's no it's getting ideas, lady. So we got long, sh shorter, shortest beard, and then none. No, no beard. <laughs> Oh, uh, but yeah, this is, uh, <laughs> this is, uh, I'm telling you. And, uh, yeah, if you want to reach out to us, uh, ITY at, uh, directionsmusic.org. Yeah, G E M I N I at directionsmusic.org. H I double L Y D at directionsmusic.org. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, we always appreciate you coming in. Uh, we appreciate you stopping by. This has been oh, great. Man, thanks so, for having me. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, Philly D, Mr. Gemini, Mr. A. and Evan Dub Lion. Yeah, and uh, as always, family, uh, be good to yourself, be good to everyone else. Much love. Peace. Peace. Peace.